0: and sisters of the Acts of the Apostles, how different Peter is. The man who denied our Lord three times, the man who abandoned our Lord, his closest friend when he needed him most, has truly been transformed in the Acts of the Apostles. And when we see him, and as we see him, boldly proclaiming, and witnessing the good news of salvation, sharing with Israel uh, all about Jesus and that he is risen from the dead. He is risen from the dead as the Acts of the Apostles, as the Gospel reminds us, from St. Luke. It is a very different account than Lazarus. Jesus is not just resuscitated. He isn't just brought back to life from death. He is renewed in life as we see with the wounds in which he shows and shares with his apostles. The wounds in which he shows them indicate that he wasn't just resuscitated, he didn't just come back to life, but he was truly risen. It is a new life in which he lives, a life in which he is not a ghost, as he says, but he also eats for them so they can recognize. Alive. And isn't that just a wonderful thing to think about? When Jesus returns into all his glory and heaven is established on earth, we're still going to eat? Isn't that wonderful? That is a wonderful thing. And not only are we going to eat, but there'll be no gaining weight. That's even better because we'll be perfected. You see, this is why we pray longfully for the coming of our Lord. We as believers should be praying every day, Come, Lord Jesus that He comes to restore what He attended from the very beginning of creation. But my brothers and sisters, if we do not believe in the power of the resurrection, which for the next six weeks you're going to hear me talking about the power of the resurrection, if we do not believe in the power of the resurrection, then we are going to live a life mere departed fear of the unknown, fear of the ultimate pa- our ultimate passing and death. And how sad so many people who profess belief in Christ Jesus are fearful when it comes to thinking about the end times or thinking about the end of their own life. It is indicative of a lack of hope and trust. As Jesus says to the apostles in the Gospel today, why are you troubled? And why do you have these questions arise in your heart? Why is it that we fail to believe and to truly trust in the Lord? That is the ultimate question that we reflect upon in this Easter season. Why is it so hard for us to accept and believe the promise that the Lord gave to us? Why do we rather believe the wisdom of the world, which has no contact or understanding of Jesus, than the wisdom which has been handed on to us for over 2,000 years? where we have seen men, women, and children who would rather sacrifice their own life in this world than to reject their belief in Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, the Protestant Church talks about revivals, the revival of faith. My brothers and sisters, me in the Catholic Church are in desperate need of a revival. We need a revival and a trust and a confidence in the power of the Word of Jesus Christ. We say these words, we hear these words, but we do not allow them to take hold within our very heart and the depths of our being. We are like what St. John says in the second reading today, where we profess belief in Jesus Christ, but that belief ends with our lips. You can say you love Jesus all you want. But if you're not living a life that is an example of Jesus, if you're not living a life following the commandments, then you do not love Jesus. You can say all you like, I love you, I love you, I love you, but if you're not living and being a witness of the faith to the world out there, you do not love Him. Yes, I said it. But it's not me who said it. It's the apostles. And we see those who were so incredulous about it, Because remember, in this account of the resurrection, who believed in the resurrection? Who was the only apostle who emphatically believed that Jesus rose from the dead? John. John. John is the only one. Because scripture says he saw the empty tomb and he believed immediately. Not the rest of them. And even so, when they come, when he appears to them, they're all troubled. They're all afraid it's a ghost. Or maybe they're afraid about what is, Jesus, what is divine retribution going to do for those who left him and abandoned him. Maybe that's where the fear was coming from. But my brothers and sisters, the reality that we reflect upon this morning and throughout Easter is that this is not just a simple historical event that happened, 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose from the dead and empowered his followers to go and to preach the good news. The rising of Jesus from the dead has everything to do with you and me. By his rising, our lives are transformed. Our lives are transformed to the point that there is nothing for us to fear in this life, there is nothing for us to fear. There is nothing that the world can do that can take Jesus away from us unless we allow him to be taken. Unless we allow him, unless we allow to lose him ourselves. And that is the ultimate challenge. That is the ultimate challenge which we reflect upon. Am I truly believing in the good news of salvation? Am I truly believing in the power of the resurrection? Do I recognize how the world and my very own existence is transformed by Jesus rising from the dead? All time is is altered from this saving event. And we can never look back. We can never look back. It is always forward with the Lord. As I mentioned last week, our bishop has declared that the dispensation, the attendance of not coming to Holy Mass, being obligatory, is being lifted on the Feast of Pentecost. And so now that we are more comfortable going to stores and to restaurants and to other places out in the world, we should now be coming back to church. And so therefore, but the, reality, but the other thing we have to reflect upon is that we are creatures of habit. And here I speak to the choir because you're all here. But there are those people who got very comfortable watching Mass on TV in their Lazy Boy. Maybe even staying in their pajamas and not even getting dressed. Although, as you remember, when I, when I preached, when we were live-streaming, I preached that you better make sure you're out of bed, you're up, you're dressed, and you're participating in the Mass even at home. Meaning standing, sitting, kneeling with the rest of the community, if you're going to participate in Mass. Mass is not a spectator sport where we just sit back and watch what's going on. Mass is an act of participation. And the act of participation does not mean that I have to be speaking all the time, but it means that my mind is engaged with what is taking place and the action of the Mass. My mind is actively participating in the worship of God. And that is what enables us and helps us and aids us in becoming living witnesses to the power of the resurrection because through the resurrection Jesus gives to us that great gift of the Spirit which you are joyfully waiting in expectation to be renewed in on the feast of Pentecost he joyfully, gladly gives us this gift of the Spirit so that not only can we be empowered but we can truly possess the divine life of God within our very being. That is just awesome. That is just the most marvelous and miraculous thing that takes place through our baptism. And because we are infants when we're baptized, it is somewhat lost on us because we don't reflect upon it enough. We don't think about it enough. If we didn't have pictures, we probably wouldn't even remember it happened necessarily. But that is the greatest miracle in the world that takes place at baptism. When a child is elevated from a creature status, or an adult for that matter, is elevated from a creature made in the image and likeness of God to a son and daughter of God. Do you know who your heavenly Father is? Do you know that your brother is Jesus Christ? Do you know that the Spirit inspires and instills in us an ability to live as witnesses to the Lord? You know, we say all these words, we profess it in the creed, but we, never, we do not allow the words enough to get into our heart. We keep it up in our head, and it only can go so far in our head. If we keep our faith in our head, in our intellect, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it as faithful people, because our, uh, we're going to wane afar away. We're going to lose interest. We're going to get bored, because it's only up here the knowledge of our faith must, go, must make its movement to our heart. And so what we know in our head is possessed within our heart and lived with our very life. If we are not living, my brothers and sisters, if we are not living in the joy-filled confidence of the power of the resurrection when we are out of this building, when we are out in the world, we are failing at what we are called to do. Jesus tells us himself, you are witnesses of these things. We are to be messengers of hope to this world. Do you look at the world we're living in? I'm sure I'm not the only one looking at this world I Was looking at it in, in, in desperation. This world is desperate. This world is hateful. This world is divisive. Why is it? Why is this world so desperate? Why is this world so divisive? Why is it so hateful? You're not gonna like the answer. You're not gonna like the answer. Because the answer is, you and I, who profess belief in Christ Jesus, we are not doing what we're supposed to be doing. We are not being joy-filled living witnesses of faith and the power of the resurrection out in the world. We're allowing the world to dictate to us how to live. We're allowing political correctness to overtake our faith so that we don't even speak it out in the world because of fear. What will people say? What will people think of us? What will people think of me? And we allow that fear to prevent us from doing what we're supposed to do. Did you ever reflect upon the fact that the, tr- the, tr- the Catholic Church belief in Jesus Christ had its greatest increase, its greatest surge in its population of members of faith filled when men, women, and children were being martyred, when their blood was being shed by the Roman Empire in the early parts of the, of the church's beginning. That's when the church grew, which makes no sense. When you see men, women, and children being killed for their belief in Jesus Christ, you should be out to dodge. You should be running the other way. But the faithfulness of these witnesses spurred on people to get to know who Jesus Christ is more and more. How can someone willingly go to their death for a belief in a man? How is that possible? And yet, my brothers and sisters, even to this very day, as I try to tell you all the time, in parts of the world in which we currently live in, in 2021, what we are doing present here in this church is punishable by death. And yet, those churches are packed. Those churches are standing room only. Here, where we have the freedom to worship God, we're empty. And not just empty from pandemic, we're empty before pandemic. And so my brothers and sisters, what you and I have to recognize, and what we and I have to prepare ourselves for, is that God uses all things for His greater honor and glory. And so how? How did this past year of this pandemic, how is God going to use that for His greater honor and glory? How are you and I going to be transformed in what we have experienced to trust more confidently the power of the resurrection of God, the power of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? We cannot go back to business as usual prior to the pandemic. That's over. We are now in a new time. We need to move forward in faith. We need to boldly go and proclaim and witness the good news of salvation so that we can bring all people to the Lord. Remember on Good Friday Jesus died on the cross. He was lifted up so that all people can be drawn to him. How can people be drawn to the cross of Christ if you and I, who are disciples of it, don't share with, it, with others what we believe? and how we have been transformed by the power of the Resurrection. So, it's been a while since you've had homework. Your homework assignment. Your homework assignment is to prayerfully reflect this week. What what and how has the power of the Resurrection transformed your life? How has the power of the Resurrection transformed your very life? And you might be sitting there, and you might be reflecting this week, thinking, it hasn't. And if that's your answer, so be it. But it has, in some way, shape, or form. And so therefore, you've got to pray harder. You've got to meditate more. You have to think. You have to think about your life and where you are today. You have to think about your age and where you are and how has it transformed your life. And if you really can say after all that it hasn't, then you have to pray even harder for this upcoming Pentecost, for an outpouring of a renewal of the Holy Spirit within you, that you may allow the power of the resurrection to transform you as it is intended to do for each of us. My brothers and sisters, this is the day the Lord has made We rejoice and we are glad in it. Jesus is risen from the dead. Alleluia, alleluia. He is truly risen. Alleluia, alleluia. the Father, the Son, and the Son.